criminal organization known as the Foot Clan. So named because they step over the good people of this city with no regard. Their leader, the Shredder, will come at you with ferocity. His Foot Clan will outnumber you. The people of New York will look upon you as their only hope. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode 171 and joining me this week to talk about 2014's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's the returning Ace Cat. Ace, you were on a while back to talk about the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yep. You had not seen that one, and you had not seen this one. Yeah, and I don't know how to feel about this one. <laughs> well, let's start with um, your history with the Turtles again. For people who didn't listen to the last episode or haven't gotten there yet, uh, maybe something like that, um, what is your history sure. with the Turtles in general and then this movie specifically? Okay, just to wrap it up in a neat little nutshell, or turtle shell if you prefer, I only watched the 1987 cartoon. Okay. Ever. I have I haven't read the comics. I hadn't I had seen I think as a kid I might have seen Turtles 2 and Turtles 3, but I never saw the original in 1990 and I never saw this one. Like I thought Michael Bay actually directed this one. Ah, not okay. just produced it. So I I that's how a touch it was, but I've never read the comics. I owned the action figures and honestly that was about it. Yeah, I think if you were born between the years of like 1980 and 1990, you had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figure. Like, oh, definitely. Like, I don't think it was possible to not. It was like not having a Transformer or not having yeah. some form of He-Man, She-Ra action figure. Um, yeah, totally. You just, you just had them. They were like, they were issued to you. Uh, but you know, it, <laughs> okay. So you you hadn't seen that movie, and we talked, and you really enjoyed the ninety, oh. the, the 1990 version. I love it. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. So it sounds like you're not as on board with this version. I want to get just a generalized idea of what you thought of it as like just a movie watching experience. And then we'll kind of dive into the movie itself. As the, as just a movie, it wasn't horrible. Okay. I think it was a little too long and it could have ended, you know, there were a couple of, as a movie in general, there were a couple of parts where it could have just ended and it would have been fine. Sure. But as a movie itself, as an action flick, considering I only paid 60 total cents to rent it, <laughs> it wasn't bad. <laughs> so I have an interesting relationship with this movie. I, like you, grew up with the 87 cartoon. Um, I did, however, watch the original 1990 movie uh, as a child, then Secret of the Ooze. I even watched... Uh, number three, which is the one where they go back in time. Uh, I try not to talk about it a whole lot because that movie was bad. Uh, but it was by wow. then, by then they were the, the lack of budget was showing the cost, like the, um, the animatronics and the costumes weren't as good. Uh, they had kind of cheaped out on that. So there was a lot of like flappy mouth, um, from the puppeting that just didn't look as good. Um, and then, you know, turtles kind of had their, 
uh, sort of, they didn't disappear, but they, the popularity waned for a little while in the late nineties. And then they started coming, um, they started coming back in the early two thousands. There was new shows. 2007 had an all CGI movie. Um, that actually isn't all that bad. Uh, and then this movie came out and, and this was very much, um, following in the wake of like transformers, right. And sort of digging back into some of that nostalgia from the eighties, taking them and bringing them forward, but also doing not necessarily grim, dark or, or grim and gritty versions, but like, but, but going in that direction a lot more, um, and not as cartoonish. And so, but here's, here's the thing. So not as cartoonish, however, um, We'll, we'll kind of get to like where that did and didn't happen. But first I want to mention you had, you talked about how you thought that Michael Bay directed this. And there is, there is the misconception out there because his name is attached to it. And he was attached to it early on that people think, Oh, it's the Michael Bay TMNT. Well, it's, it's not, he produced it. He didn't direct it. He didn't write it or anything like that. Um, his fingerprints are on it. And it's obvious again, there's the, the influence of stuff like his Transformers series on this. Yeah. Um, but it was directed by John Liebsman, who had done Battle Los Angeles uh, prior to this movie. Um, and one of the things that I read was that the original cut was a little darker uh, even than what we got. And Michael Bay was like, eh, let's, let's liven it up a little bit. Let's add some more humor. Um, one thing I did notice is that the humor in this largely is not the type of humor that was in say transformers yeah uh transformers one of my problems with that aside from just it feeling like a retread every movie was some of the humor especially after the first movie got very juvenile and it's it's one thing to have something that's aimed at kids it's another thing to have like like just this this juvenile humor and this like lowest the low-hanging fruit humor that doesn't always work and I felt yeah, like that happened yeah. with the Transformers movies. It didn't quite go as far in this one. There's a little bit of it, but but I think in this context, some of those jokes can work better because your main characters are supposed to be 15, 16 years old. Right. So, and and that's, what I, that's why I said, well, because honestly, I think this movie compared to the 1990 had more of the flavor of the cartoon with the turtles themselves. Like, the 1990 movie, each turtle basically just felt like a carbon copy with a different colored bandana. This one, you could tell which one was Michelangelo. You could tell which one was Leonardo. And they just felt like the 1987 cartoon versions. And that Leo was clearly the leader. Mm-hmm. Michelangelo was clearly the, the, you know, 16-year-old boy going through puberty. Raphael was the lone wolf. Donatello was definitely the geek. Yeah, And I think that worked. The other part of the movie for me that worked was Will Arnett. But otherwise, and Whoopi Goldberg. But otherwise, honestly, it wasn't that great of a movie as a turtle movie. So here's here's a few things that uh, that I kind of feel like sort of go along the lines that you're talking about here. The design of the turtles visually, I don't love it, but I don't hate it as much as some did I wouldn't have gone the direction that they did um they be- went a little too realistic well they went a little too realistic but like 
every almost every other iteration of them from the Mirage comics on has had sort of more of a beaked turtle look, and they got rid of that, so the faces were very flat. Um, and I liked the differentiation in um, because one of the like obviously when you're doing a cartoon, animation is expensive. So what did they do for the turtles in the '87 cartoon? It was the same model for all four of them. They just slightly changed the skin tone and then the different, um, you know, bandana colors and that's it. And that's easy to do. Um, I liked that they differentiated them more than say the 90, uh, or the, the 90 film. Although if you watch the film, they, they definitely are four different puppets. Um, but this, this took it a little more to an extreme where, you know, Donatello and Raphael are much taller Mikey is a little yeah. bit shorter than the rest of them. Raph is like, he's built, he's real, you know, he's almost like a, like a linebacker or a rugby player. Uh, Donatello is very thin. Um, so I liked that. I don't, I do think though, that while I liked that part of the visual, um, again, the faces I think could have been, they just, they looked a little too monstrous and I want like a softer, friendlier looking face for me. Well, but, as far as that goes, my understanding is that each turtle was influenced by a different actor. Like Leonardo yeah. was based on Tom Hanks and Russell Crowe. Raphael was Russell Crowe and Clint Eastwood, which I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out. Clint Eastwood? Really? Well, Donatello, Donatello and the Leonard Nimoy thing, I can I can understand, you know, Donatello is a geek. Mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy is, well, I mean, most iconically Spock. Yeah. So that makes sense. And Michelangelo was based on Bill Murray, which again makes sense. Yeah, I I didn't I don't see it as much in the faces, but I think it's because they're so morphed and then they're wearing masks on top of it, so it's like uh, all right. Uh, okay, but, so I have to I have to admit, sorry Travis, I, no, I have to admit that I I watched this movie for the first time about 2 hours before we recorded this. <laughs> so literally I'm coming in fresh. Okay. Just watched it. Literally just watched it recording, and, I, and honestly, I could see, I could see the subtle influence. Like, like I'm not going to sit there and say, and neither would Michael Bay or any of the people that designed them say that you know the faces are 100 percent Russell yeah. Crowe or, but you can see the subtleties, and you can see in the facial expressions. Okay, that one's kind of like Tom Hanks. Oh yeah, I, I can see Bill Murray in that one, and and I thought that was great. But like I said, my main problem was. They looked too realistic. Like they they were each based off a separate different turtle, and I get that, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But no. Just I don't even no. know I don't even know if it was the too realistic. I think they were too large. Like I think they were too tall. Because they talk yeah. about him being like six feet tall, but I'm sorry, Raphael is Meg Megan Fox is five foot four. He is standing well more than a foot taller than her. So wow, I didn't even know that. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's one of those things where I felt like the turtles were too large. They needed to be uh you know, it, when you're when you're trying to be ninjas and you're trying to blend into your surroundings, it's kind of hard when you're a six and a half foot tall, you know, three hundred pound yeah. turtle with a huge shell. I get the visual they were going for. It just wouldn't wouldn't have been the choice that I made, but No, honestly not, no. But it could have it could have gone much much worse. I actually didn't mind the realism in them, um, because I do feel like they had enough. They they obviously are turtles. 
and yeah. and the skin uh, I love I liked the skin uh, and like the rendering of the turtles themselves. The motion capture work was really good. I did like letting the motion capture artists do the voice, with the exception of Leonardo, which was voiced by Johnny Knoxville in this version. Um, yeah. For some reason, and I'm not sure why, other than maybe he just wanted to be in it because his kids liked the movie or like the turtles. I don't I don't really know. I think I think that's the reason because that was why Whoopi Goldberg was in it. Yeah. Um, and that was a, a nice little bit of stunt casting that apparently was a big thing for her. She had tried to be in the first movie and it never worked out uh, to be in any of those and finally got to be in this. And in the trivia, they did mention that she's the first and as of June 2016, only Oscar winner to have appeared in the cast. That changed That's a few cool. years ago because Sam Rockwell run a, won an Oscar and he's in the first movie. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, Whoopi didn't feel out of place either. No, it was a small enough role and it played to her strengths of like her comedic style that it worked. It definitely yeah. didn't take away from anything uh, for sure. Um, and I, I liked, you know, I liked seeing that. I didn't, I, I liked the actors, uh, the different versions of the turtles. The only, I think my only complaint is that there's not enough of them um, kind of interacting. Well, yeah, there's not, there's not enough character work in this and it as an origin story we get the the broad strokes of all of them but we only get that and then them quipping with each other and not really the bonding like there's that missing family feel that the 1990 right. film had and look we're going to compare actually, the 90 film and this one quite a bit so get ready for oh this. yeah totally <laughs> and actually that's what i was going to say i liked that in this movie they started off with the narration by its by master splinter played mm -hmm. by tony Shalhoub, by the way yeah did fantastic. I didn't even notice. Like, oh, yeah. I had to look at the cast page. That's how well he... I, and and now that I'm seeing it and I heard his voice, I can totally see him in that role in a live-action movie. Yeah, I recognized his voice right away. Uh, what I didn't know is it was... Um, oh, what's his name that did uh, the motion capture? Go ahead. Make your point. I'll, I'll find the name. That but, I'm but, but, Danny, Danny Woodburn, by the way. But That's who it is. My point is, is, you know, we got to narrate the first five or so minutes of the movie has to set the tone for mm -hmm. the movie. And I think this movie worked well with it. And I don't want people listening to this show. You know, I know earlier I said I wish I would have gotten one hour, 41 minutes back or whatever. I don't want people coming into this show thinking that I hate this movie because I don't. That's why I said as an action movie, as a movie, it works well. As a turtle movie, there are things they did great. There are things they didn't do so great. Uh, one of the things they did great was the first five or so, seven, may maybe I'll, I'll stretch it as far as ten. They did the movie well. They opened with the animation of Splinter, you know, talking about the turtles' origins. Yep. Talking about how they're his sons, how he found a way to train them. And, you know, I love you. You're destined for great things, but the world's going to ostracize you. It felt like, a, honestly, it felt like a Spider-Man movie with something like that. A little bit, yeah. And I thought... And I thought that did really well. I thought the first couple of minutes, you know, with April played by Megan Fox, who I wish they would have made her hair like red or something. But, you know, that's me just remembering the cartoon at the same time. Sure. But she did. I mean, she did well. I, I went into this, honestly, once I saw she was in the in the movie, I'm like, oh, great, Megan Fox. Because honestly, I didn't like her role in Transformers. But she did well here. So... Here's here's the thing with Megan Fox is I feel like Megan Fox it, is she going to win acting awards? No, but no. she gets 
unfairly categorized like a Kristen Stewart where people yeah. rip on people rip on Megan Fox because of the Transformers movies and you know in in some ways it's fair because her character in that was paper thin and not there wasn't a whole lot there but she's a better right. actor than people give her credit for some of it too oh, is totally. the the persona that she put on in the media um yeah. especially early in her career set her up where she's come out later on being like yeah that was you know me just kind of putting on this performance for the media more so than it being exactly who she was but by then the the toothpaste was out of the tube and it was too late and that yeah. was that's how she was I, labeled I think, I think michael bay kind of did her a little dirty too oh i'm sure i mean she le look she leaned into being a sex symbol as well like she oh, really she promoted she totally. that of herself as much as yeah. anyone else did but it it's one of those where I just I feel like she gets unfairly tapped that way. It's Kristen Stewart's the same way. Kristen yeah. Stewart is oh, actually yeah. quite charismatic and and a decent actor. And I think Megan Fox in the right role does well. Jennifer's body is an example of somewhere where she yeah. she really shines. Um, and this this version of April O'Neil, I think she works for it because of that sort of stigma that follows her. Where right. And and it plays into the character because early on nobody takes her seriously, unlike yeah. the cartoon or the nineteen ninety movie where she's already an established reporter, and she's on the you know she's on the TV news and all this kind of stuff. Here she's tr she's starting out and she's trying to be that, and nobody takes yeah. her seriously. They just look at her. Yeah, as, and you know, that's what I mean. She did she did once I got into the movie and I started watching it. She did great compared to Transformers and everything. Oh yeah, and. and the only thing I hated was that everyone knew who the Foot Clan was. And that instead of being a group of ninjas, they were a group of American-style commando terrorists. We're going to get to the villains in this. I, I want to, because I have, I have a lot of thoughts there. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. I'm just, let's put a pin in that for now, because we're coming back yeah, to the absolutely. Foot Clan and but, Shredder but, and everything. So, so they get with they get April with her cameraman. Uh, Have you been Vernon. smoking grass? <laughs> yeah, um, oh, I, you know, I had the character's name in my head now, and now it's like Vernon. Um, Vern Fenwick. Yes, well, yeah, 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 yes, yes. I remember him well from the cartoon too, and from the new t new video game that's out. Yeah. And he's played by Will Arnett. Who does fan? You know, you you expect that out of, out of Will Will Arnett. Oh but yeah, he did great. Well, he was there to be right the comic relief, the foil. Yeah, um, you know, to bring levity and and be Will Arnett, and he does that well. And it's nice to use a character like Vern, who hadn't been in any of the live action films previously, um, but he was part of the cartoon. So they they pulled that character, change him a little bit. He's less and he's not as antagonistic as he was, um, but he's a no. good foil and a good character for April to work with um especially early on where he doesn't like he genuinely is a good person and he kind of cares but he's also sort of full of himself and he's kind of hitting on her all the time but it never it never goes I don't think except for maybe one shot towards the end um too far in terms of like him hitting on her like there's the moment where she calls him um and he's like you know, he he's thinking she's calling him because she wants to go out 
and he shows up <laughs> in the alley with the hat on and he's whistling to himself and then it's like he's yeah. got to quickly back away from that. By the way, that was a great moment. Did you notice the arrested development uh kind of easter egg there? When the um, sandwich. Yeah, when he's making the mustard yeah, and yeah. parmesan sandwich and listening to Careless Whisper by George uh by Wham with George Michael. Yeah. That was that yeah, was I nice. that was great. That was great. But yeah, I mean, he came off as a sleazeball, but he came as a, came off as a kind-hearted sleazeball. Yes, like and, and he by, didn't. And by sleaze, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I was just gonna say, in terms of like coming off as a sleazeball, but like a like a unaware sleazeball. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's yeah, not. He, he didn't... Yeah, he's he's not like uh, like gross and like leery. No. He's just like. He he thinks he's smooth and he's not, and so it comes off yeah. as like, Ew. yeah. He 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 doesn't. He's not aware that he's creepy. Yeah. Yes. But he tries, mm-hmm. and I think that I think that's the type of character Will Arnett plays generally, and he does it so well. Oh yeah. Oh no. He's <laughs> he, he does quite well in this. I mean, the on, really the only moment that's over the top is when she's hanging out the side of the truck towards yeah. the end of it. And he looks over, and it's just her leaning out there. Like that was a yeah. very that felt like a very Michael Bay Transformers type moment um, that got slipped in there. Which, you know, whatever. Um, I would have cut it myself uh, because I think there's plenty yeah. of other jokes that can be made there. But that was the only moment that really felt like, eh, all right, no, we don't need that. But the rest of his the rest of his stuff just felt like this guy who, you know, kind of has a good opinion of himself and thinks he's smooth and he's got somebody he's working with and you know, he doesn't understand you don't fish off the company pier um, and tries anyway, but, but, and she just completely ignores it. Like she's, it's almost like she knows, but she's just gonna just pretend like he's not doing it and maybe he'll stop. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I liked Will Arnett in this quite a bit. Um, and Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, I, I'm gonna put a uh, pin in this too. But the one thing I didn't like was was the William Fitchner as Eric Sachs. Oh yeah, well, we uh, trust me. I've got some stuff uh, to say about him. That, oh man, so do I. It, it, they include knock off Norman Osborn. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, don't worry. We have <laughs> we we have plenty of time to dedicate to, uh, to that. <laughs> Um, I do want to mention the turtles themselves, uh, because apparently according to Alan Richson, who played Raphael, did the voice and the, the motion capture, uh, Mm -hmm. making the movie wasn't great. He did not have a great time, um, on this or the sequel in part because they just weren't treated as well as, you know, the, the actors that got to be, uh, on camera with their faces. And that's kind of a bummer. Um, because I like Alan Richson. I've seen him in uh, Titans as Hawk, one half of Hawk and Dove. Uh, he was, he I think he was in, was it Smallville as Aquaman? I, I want to say, so. honestly, years and years ago. I, honestly, I couldn't remember him at all from anything. Like, there were a couple of actors that was like that for me. He plays in a lot of stuff. He plays that same type of character that Raphael is, very... Uh, brooding, very, very stern. Yeah. Um, but he's also, he's like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and he's built, and he's very physically imposing, and he plays that well. So, I mean, he's a good fit um, for Raphael, he the was, version yeah. of Raphael that they're doing. He's in Reacher right now, um, that series. And uh, okay. I liked him, and I liked Raphael in this because I felt like it was 
the right balance of sort of lone wolf Raphael, but then yes. he's he's doing that, but it's never it never reaches the the breaking point, and it's all and it's and a lot of it is uh, a low self esteem thing too. Like his his whole speech at the end is they're falling, and he's he's saying you know I pushed you guys, I didn't feel like I was good enough, kind of all this stuff, even though clearly he is. Um, yeah, so oh, I, liked, I loved that. I like that. And Raphael had the most probably character development of any of the turtles. He did. Too. He did. I loved the part where, where he picks up each of their, after they're captured, mm-hmm. he picks up each of their weapons yep. and goes, let's go save my brothers. Yeah. That it, right there was, was the, was the coming out of his shell moment for the, and I don't apologize for these puns at all, even reusing them over and over again. <laughs> but that was, like I said, the coming out of his shell moment for Raphael within this movie. I felt like that, honestly, they could have probably done a... And I hate to say this because, you know, you need the whole set to be the Turtles. Mm-hmm. But honestly, they could have probably done away with Donatello and Michelangelo. And or, yeah, and Michelangelo, as much as I love Mikey. And just had this Leonardo and Raphael with Splinter, and that would have been enough. I mean... Yes, but also I don't think so. In I'm going to disagree with that because I think you need you need Mikey for the heart of the group and sort of he's the one that's that's yeah. that. And it's it takes the four of them. Without the four of them, something feels wrong. Like there's and I need to oh, read totally. it, but there's a comic run um, where only one of them is around, and I think it's called like the Last Ronin. And yeah, it's that's recent. Raphael. And I want to read that. But like that's a special case where we've already got lots of established lore, and then you have that. Um, and I don't like. I want. I want the group because I want the group dynamic. It's actually one of the things that that I wanted more of in this movie, uh, and I'm going to talk about one in here very shortly that that was missing. But but yeah, I liked Raphael quite a bit. Noel Fisher is Michelangelo, and Mikey is he's right on the border of being more too annoying. Yeah. Uh but they they walk that line fairly well with him. Um they give him some of the cringier one-liners and that's Michelangelo, right? But again, you can kind of give away some of that because he's supposed to be 16. He's an immature, going through puberty. He's lived yeah. most of his he's lived his entire life underground away from everybody except for his three brothers and his adopted father. So Right. And he's like he's the one that's all into pop culture. He's the one watching the cat videos on the internet while they're surveying yeah. and stuff like that. Like so, <laughs> you know. And I like how they I like how they portrayed him too as literally the youngest brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, because you can see that from the get go too. Leonardo was obviously the oldest. Donnie was Raphael was next oldest. That's why they basically butt heads. Mm-hmm. Donnie was the middle, and Mikey was the youngest. Yeah, and Mikey's the goofball. He's got the yep. the shell necklace. He's got. I love that he had his rocket powered skateboard thing. Yes, um, that was so good. Uh, and he's just he always has fun. Um, and that was Michelangelo. Now, Pete Plasek played did the motion capture for Leonardo. Um, ironically, the youngest of the four actors to play the Ninja oh. Turtles plays the oldest turtle. Um, and then Johnny Knoxville did the voice. I didn't. I didn't dislike having Johnny Knoxville in there. It was fine. I just don't know why. And maybe it's because I've seen the sequel, um, Out of the Shadows, and Pete Plasek gets to. I, th- I think I'm pronouncing that right. Gets to do the voice um, for Leonardo in that, and he did a fine job. So, 
I'm not sure if they just didn't feel like he had the chops to do it at the time, and that's why they brought in Knoxville or what. But Knoxville was fine. It's just his voices. I I recognize his voice right away, and while it didn't take me necessarily out of things, I noticed it. And then I'm thinking, well, he's not doing the motion capture, even though he could have done plenty of the stunts. Um, because yeah. it's <laughs> Knoxville. Uh, but Leonardo, Leonardo is, you know, he's the stoic leader. Uh, he's probably, I mean, he's look in terms of the Ninja Turtles, he's the most boring, and that's not. It's kind of not fair to him, but that's usually how he ends up getting portrayed, right? Because Raphael gets to be the the headstrong lone wolf. Donnie's the the funny. He's funny, but he's also the tech nerd, so he gets to lean into that stuff, the geekiness. And Michelangelo is the party guy. He's the the goofball. So Leonardo ends up being the quote boring one because he's got to be the stoic leader. Um, they didn't overdo I always, I always it. Yeah, no, I, I always called Leonardo Splinter Jr. Because that's how he always came off as to me. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, in, in the 87 cartoon, you know, they're all pretty goofy, and so that helps. But it was a Saturday morning yeah. cartoon. When you're when you're making the, the realistic version, uh, you get uh, a little <laughs> a little darker. Um, and so in here, you get Leonardo as he's just always more sullen. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he was fine. I Again, I want more character development out of him, but, you know, we, we need yeah. more of, like, him struggling with being the leader or or not just arguing with Raphael, but, like, why? Why do those two butt heads so much kind of thing? And we just get yeah. that they do, and that's it. So, you know, you can only fit so much in, but of the four of them, he's the the least compelling. Honestly, I, I I joked about wanting the hour and forty one minutes back, but I felt like it could have been just a little longer to get that character growth and that characterization of each turtle, because it did feel like that they focused a little too much on Raph and Michelangelo, and I get why, mm -hmm. but it still was really kind of I wanted to see more of Donnie. And not just being the stereotypical geek who's afraid of his own shadow. Yeah. And I didn't want to see, I wanted to see more of Leo than just the stoic, I'm a teenager, but I'm going to act like I'm an adult. Yeah. So I, I, that's why I said I, I don't want people thinking that I hate this movie because it's not a bad movie. There's just parts that aren't that great that could have been built up better. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, and by the way, Donatello was played by Jeremy Howard, and I liked him as Donatello. Uh, yeah. I mentioned earlier how the the different iterations of them and, and the fact that Donatello is kind of, he's tall, but he's real thin, uh, you know, because he he's definitely skilled, but he doesn't work out the way that Raphael does. Like, you can tell Raph just spends all his time doing push-ups and, sit and huh. you know, and like, that's it. He's just constantly building his body up. And Donatello doesn't do that, but... Um, so you get that nice visual thing. Plus he's got all the gear, maybe a little too much gear hanging off of him. Um, yeah. it got a little bit busy, but I, I did love his reaction to when he saw that they had guns. I don't know why that just made me laugh because it was so, yeah. it was so silly. Like you're just now realizing this. Um, but yeah, I, I liked him. Uh, we mentioned Danny Woodburn and Tony Shalhoub, um, together apparently Danny Woodburn was a little bummed out that he didn't get to do the voice and yeah I can understand why 
I kind of, as much as I, I, I love Tony Shalhoub and I thought his splinter was great. I kind of want to hear Danny Woodburn doing splinter though. I, I do too. I honestly do too. But did you notice a certain detail about Donatello, by the way? Uh, the glasses. Uh huh. Yeah. What the kind torti- of glasses? the tortoise shell glasses that he wore. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I love those little de- the little details are what really and honestly made this movie work. Like their van played the original 1987 TMNT theme song as yeah. its horn. Yep. I loved that. Uh, so, the, there's another one, um, and I can't confirm this because I cannot read Japanese. Uh, I believe it's in <laughs> kanji, but on Raphael's shell, it says Mikey was here. Yeah, I ran it through a translator. That's exactly what it says. And that's, I love little stuff like that. Or like, again, the visual design of them as a concept, I didn't hate because I like that they're, they're all a little bit different and they've got things like these tattoos and markings and like Raphael's got some scars on him and his shell has been cracked up a bunch and sort of taped over. Whereas, you know, Leonardo doesn't have that. Like, I don't know. There's something about those little details that I, I really much enjoy. Yeah. But and, and honestly, it's always been that kind of detail that always made me wonder why isn't Raph the leader? But then <laughs> you get to his attitude and you're like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. It, what it really comes down to is he he can't be the leader because he's too much of a uh, punch first, punch second, kick third. Maybe you come up with a plan and then throw the plan away and just keep punching stuff. Leonardo, yeah. and that's that, that there again is some of that character development where it's like Leo is the one to say, hey, we need to have a plan, but that's about all he really says. And it just would have been nice yeah. to have him have more of like this, no, 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 we've got this. I, let's, let's, let's talk this out or let's, let's come up with our plan. Here yeah. is a plan. Um, but runtime being what it is. You know, you, you even get what you Donnie, get. even Donnie was more of a planner. Yeah. Than, than even Leonardo was. So yeah, yeah it would have been nice that, like you keep saying, it would have been nice to have that characterization, that character building. And really, since they spent the first seven minutes building up the turtles, I think that's the other thing that honestly bothers me. It took twenty minutes getting into them. this movie mm-hmm. to actually get to the turtles. And so it felt a little bit like, you know, the first 20 minutes, I'm like, well, is this April O'Neil's movie guest starring the Turtles? Yeah, or... there was a little bit of that. Um, there's, okay, let's talk about some villains in this. Yes, please. Because for for the strengths that this movie has, there are two oh, major yeah. flaws that it has. First thing, I'll, okay, before we talk about the villains, the first flaw that I have with the movie is that sense of family. So in the 1990 yeah. movie, the inciting event, because this movie honestly parallels that movie in a lot of ways. Um, they, they first meet April. Uh, they take her back to their lair. She, she finds out um, you know, the, the backstory of all of them. Uh, they did pull that backstory, by the way, from the IDW comics where April right. worked in the lab and they were lab experiments. I liked incorporating that, and that gives a nice... Um, reasoning for the bond that they can build instead of just like, Oh, she's a nice person and we like her. Um, so that was kind of cool. But in the 1990 movie, they, you know, they meet this person and then the foot clan tracks that person to find the turtles in their lair and attack. 
and remove Splinter from the, from the situation. But in that movie, they do the attack and they take Splinter. So when the turtles come back, he's missing. And now they have to rally together to go find their father and find out what's going on. And they don't know if he's alive or not at first. They have to sort of regroup. And there's this bonding and this family building that the four of them have to do, especially after Raphael comes back around uh, and comes to Yeah. In this movie, similar thing happens, right? They meet April. April goes down to their lair. The Foot Clan tracks April down there instead of Danny. Um, They attack. But in this case, they're there for the Turtles and not Splinter. And so they take three of the four turtles thinking Raphael has been killed and leave him, but they also leave Splinter. And so now it's Raphael going after his brothers, which yes, there's some, there's, there's some camaraderie there, but there's a large chunk of the movie that's spent with them separated instead of bonding like the four brothers should. And I felt like that was missing. Oh, totally. That was one of the, I was going to mention that as well. I, the other to bring up one of my main problems with this movie was some of the dialogue. Yeah, there's some not great dialogue. <laughs> Drain the blood out of them until they die. Mm-hmm. Well, really? So, all right, villains. Here's here's my issue. <laughs> You've got Eric Sachs, and you have the Shredder, mm-hmm. and you have the Foot Clan. Now, you mentioned the Foot Clan earlier, and how the Foot yes. Clan isn't a clan of ninjas. They're a bunch of uh, tack vest wearing uh, kind of soldiers. Yeah. Um, I didn't like that. I didn't like that because that doesn't feel like the world of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to me. No. And I liked that they were trying to have, you know, oh, it's the crime wave because that was a big thing in the 90 film was like the crime wave and the foot clan and this and that. But in the 1990 film, it was like all these petty crimes. And again, that sense of family where the Foot Clan were, were recruiting kids off the streets that were from broken homes and having troubles. And they were recruiting these kids and bringing them into a family and creating this clan, right? Whereas yeah. in this movie, it's just a bunch of basically hired guns is the way that I would view them. We never meet a single member of the Foot Clan and see their face. And that was the thing in the 90 film between Danny getting recruited in and the Sam Rockwell character and this and that and the other thing. Like we, we knew some of these foot clan members or we saw them as kids and then eventually becoming members of the foot And here. They're just mercenaries. So yeah, you don't care at all. There's, there's like literally they're just, they're just there as cannon fodder. They're there to be knocked around by the turtles. So that was kind of annoying. And then did you, get the feeling did you did you catch kind of the fact that like early versions of this eric Sachs is the shredder well that's because in the comics he is well that's literal uh that's the literal anglicization of the name uh uh what what, uh orochi oroku saki is the japanese name and they anglicize it to eric Sachs. and and that character was meant to, they were going to do that. Now the rumor is that they, they had that planned, and then Iron Man three came out and everybody was upset with the Mandarin reveal. And so they yeah. scrapped it and went this other way. It does feel like that does feel like it happened because the character of shredder in this feels tacked on. He does. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's why I said it felt like it could have ended much sooner. And like I said, honestly, the thing that bothers me about Eric Sachs is he felt like a cheap Norman Osborn. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Knockoff. In some ways, but I think had they allowed and stuck with the idea that he is leading the Foot Clan while the sure. while the clan itself is still fairly weak, I think it makes his character more interesting and and a better character than relegating him to basically an underling of the Shredder. Yeah, and, absolutely. And yes, it's a it's a subversion, and it might have upset some fans, like fanboys. So it's like you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. But if like if you're gonna do it, go that way. Don't half don't go halfway, because now you've got this character who's been neutered, and you have the Shredder who is, I'm sorry, it's the worst version of the Shredder in any Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles property. He's he's one note. His visual design is awful. I hate the look of the Shredder in this completely. See, I, see, I have to disagree. I thought the mm. costume was freaking awesome. Oh, I it's it's too much. It's so ridiculously impractical, and it just looks silly. And it's not something that the leader of a clan of ninjas would wear, even if well, you're trying. A... Well, granted, yeah, I guess they're not really a clan yeah. of ninjas in this. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say they're not a clan of ninjas, Travis. Well, but... see, okay, okay, I see. I can agree with you that it is too much and over the top for Shredder. But what if they tacked on just a little extra? He gets defeated and comes back as Super Shredder. Well. I'm going to let you in on a little secret in that he does come back in the sequel. Spoiler alert. Um, but when I, I mean, it's literally like within the first five minutes, they mention that he's, you know, in prison. Um, but it just, this like seven foot robo ninja with too many yeah. blades to where yeah. it wouldn't work. It just, it just looked like I can suspend plenty of disbelief, but that was a part where I'm just like, I don't like this shredder. The shredder doesn't feel like a. Obviously, there's no characterization either. He's literally just I'm a, I'm evil. That's okay, it. See, like see, hi, the, I'm the Bob part, Evil. Yeah, yeah. See, the only the only thing I really had a problem with the costume was was how the heck was he doing all those twists, turns, and ninja stuff in Iron Man's castoffs? Yeah, no, exactly. That's the thing. It doesn't fit. For the character, like his, so his look in the 1990 film very much echoes the look that he had in the comics and in the cartoon. And it's yeah. just a simple suit and he's got, he's got the, you know, bladed shoulder pads, which are silly, um, but they're meant to be over the top and like his bladed arm guards and that kind of stuff. But it's still, there's still movement, practicality to it. And this felt yeah. like. No, we're just going to put as many blades as we possibly can on this thing. And, oh, by the way, they're magnetic, so we can fire them out and call them back without pulling any other metallic objects. So honestly, this felt like they looked, Honestly, this felt like they looked at uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze, <laughs> said, we want Kevin Nash, and then watched Iron Man and said, no, wait, we want Tony Stark. Yeah. And... Then went, what if we had both? Yeah, now again, if they if they go the Eric Sachs route and he ends up being the Shredder, 
while the visual still doesn't work for me, I understand it because he's not really portrayed as this great fighter and he needs this suit in order to be the shredder. Honestly, um, they didn't even need to do the shredder as far as fighting. They could have just had a, a, a Rocky. I'm going to butcher Japanese anytime. So, but they, they could have had Eric as the main villain and just ended it there. And yeah. then in the sequel, you get the shredder. Or they could have stuck with what they originally wanted to do and bring in fan favorites, I think, Bebop and Rocksteady. You know, Eric Sachs is supposed to be this guy that works with mutant, mutagen and everything. Mm -hmm. Have him create his own fighters. So... They fight Bebop and Rocksteady. Get to the end of the movie, you have a post-movie credit where maybe Eric Sachs isn't dead or gone or whatever. He puts his hand up and he's wearing the Shredder costume and you fade the black for the sequel. Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest, from a purity standpoint of the, the lore that was established in everything previous with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, having Eric Sachs be the Shredder having it be, you know, this white guy that was born on a US military base isn't a great move. But if you're going to go that route, go that route. Don't go part way because it's sure. so obvious they're trying to set that up early on with like the scene where he's talking to April and he's got the and he's telling her his background uh and all of that. Like it's all stuff where it's like, "Oh, so he's supposed to be the shredder, but now no, we got this other guy." So they got to tack on these scenes that feel like there's two scenes with Shredder early on in the movie that they have to have in order to establish him. And right. yet they do nothing to move forward the plot because it's just basically or, the same scene, one with Karai and one with Eric Sachs. Okay, I was about to bring her up, actually. Or you could have had Karai be the main villain of this movie. Mm -hmm. Redder be the, the villain of the next movie. And if you wanted to bring in the alien origin, which, by the way, really dumb... What were you thinking, Michael Bay? But 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 what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, you could have had Karai be the villain of this movie, mm -hmm. have Fredder be out of the shadows villain, and then if you wanted to make a third one, not saying these were popular or should get a third one, but if you wanted to make a third one, that's when you bring in Krang. I would have probably gone that route. Uh, either bring, either start with Shredder or start with somebody else and have Shredder like. If it's Karai, then oh. you can have mention of Shredder. You right? know what, Travis? Baxter Stockman is in this movie. Yes, but have... but not what, really. What, what, like... Hold on. What I'm, what, what I'm saying is, is, okay, he was in this movie. He wasn't a big deal, and quite frankly, he should have been. But he was at least a bigger deal than Eric Sachs. But he was in this movie. You rewrite the movie... Make Eric Baxter, or Baxter Stockman the villain of this movie, backed by Eric Sachs or the Shredder or whoever. Mm -hmm. The next movie, you have Karai. And then the third movie is Shredder. You, you know, Michael Bay, just, just email me, dude. <laughs> I can help you with your movies so much and make them so much better. Well, and what's funny is, so Baxter, Baxter Stockman, yes, he's in this, but it's like seconds on screen. Um, he, sure. he comes or back in the sequel as well. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it's enough that the actor got a credit and everything on IMD, whatever. Yep. But that's what I'm saying. There are so many different ways that they could have gone with this movie. And I get that, you know, Michael Bay was trying to be a little different with the whole alien thing. And they even might mock it in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that, that could have honestly worked for a third movie. That's what I'm saying. You have Karai or Baxter Stockman or, or even the Rat King. Like, there's so many villains from TMNT lore that you could have gotten for the first movie. You didn't have to go straight to the Turtles fight Shredder, Turtles win. You could have went with Turtles fight Rat King, win. Oh, in the post-credit, there's Shredder's Lieutenant Karai, which I didn't even know was a character until this movie. Literally didn't know. Second movie, oh, Karai is working for the Shredder, trying to stop the Turtles because they're the only threat to Shredder. She kidnaps Splinter, blah, 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 Turtles win. Third movie, Dimension X. Shredder has to, has to get the help of an alien to fight the Turtles, blah, 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 blah. There's a Usagi Yojimbo cameo, Turtles win. Well, it's funny that you say it like that because the second movie, Out of the Shadows, does have Krang and Dimension X and Bebop and Rocksteady and Baxter Stockman. Like, so basically what you're saying is I would have enjoyed that movie more than this one. Probably. Now, here's the thing is that movie, <laughs> and, and I've covered it on this show. Uh, I did it a while back with uh, David and uh, Nick from, uh, from Hit Me One More Time. And the thing with that movie is you have to be a fan of the show, uh, the, the product, and specifically the 87 cartoon. And if you are, that movie that movie yeah. does it for you because they don't waste any time setting anything up. They jump right into things. This is, so yeah, I would have enjoyed that one more than this one. <laughs> probably, because this movie's trying to establish a bunch of stuff, and I just feel like they had missteps. Like They did. They they wanted to do something different with the idea of Eric Sachs, and then they backpedaled on it because they saw backlash from something else. It's sort of it's sort of the, the theory that like uh George Lucas had this whole plan for Jar Jar Binks to be, you know, some sort of dark uh force user and all that, and then after the first movie backed away from it. Whether you believe that or not, like it's a compelling idea. And the the Eric yeah. Sachs angle is a compelling idea on paper, but fanboys and fan bases are so fickle that they were like, uh, we're not we're not going that route and they backed away yeah. from it. And honestly, the only thing I do have a problem with would have been the white guy born on an American naval base or army base or whatever in Japan playing the Shredder. If you're going to have the Shredder, and, and they did wonderful in that regard in this movie at least. If you're going to have the Shredder, you at least have a Japanese or Korean if you need to. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to say they're the same or anything like that. I'm saying if you need to, to get that authenticity, a Korean actor... Just to play the shredder. I do I'm think, fine with that. yeah, I do think you could get away with Eric Sachs working uh, and having it be um, him if you establish that he took over the foot from Oroku Saki. See, I could see that. I could see that angle. I think you would still have some people ticked off about that. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. But I think. I think the majority would be okay with that angle. But I'm saying if you're going straight, okay, Eric, they're two separate characters. Eric Sachs, the white guy fronting for the Shredder or whatever. You have to have a Japanese actor, or like I said, at the very least, a Korean actor, just to get that authenticity for the Shredder. Like uh, the original 1990 movie had a Japanese actor. Yeah, James Saito. 
Yes, and it worked great. Sure. Doing it separate characters is fine, but the problem is they chose that so late in the process that it just yeah. it just feels it, it feels flat. And like there's okay, nothing and- to shredder and on, on top of just a ridiculous visual design that I couldn't get behind. Speaking of of fan bases getting upset, I guess originally Michelangelo was supposed to wear a gold chain. Yeah, but which that got that got changed. criticism for being stereotypical towards black people. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that black people's you know what what they say isn't authentic, isn't real. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that at all. If, if black people felt that, okay. But if you know if it was some random just random fan or what or fan base or whatever, they do know they're talking about fictional turtles, right? Yeah, I'm not sure where that all came from. I know in the sequel he goes to he is wearing a gold chain. I do think yeah. that the the shell necklace that he wears fits Mikey. So either oh, it one does. works. It, does. It, fits him, it fits him a lot better. But I'm just sitting here, you know, I've read some of the trivia and some of the criticisms, and I just sit here and think, you know, they're talking about fictional turtles. Yes, um, but it's the same thing. Michael Bay's had the problem with with stereotypes yeah. in his movies quite a bit. So, oh, totally, uh, totally. You know, but, and his name no, I, his name being attached to this at all, even though it was just as a producer, you're going to have that. Sure, sure, and and, and that's. Now, that's not to say that Michael Bay didn't do, or the producers or the director or the costume people didn't do good. One example of a good one was Master Splinter. Hmm. I liked his design. Yeah, he was smaller compared to the original Turtles, just like the comics. He has the nick in his ear, like the 1990 movie. Yep. His whiskers form a mustache, just like in the IDW comic books. And he had a a bandage wrapped on his arms, which was from 2012. But I also remember him having them in the cartoon as well. Yep. Yeah, I do too. No, Uh, I I enjoyed that. Yeah, and I mean, with April, she wore a yellow coat at least to pay homage to the mm-hmm. to the cartoon. So I mean, I'm not, you know, that's why I said I don't want people thinking that I'm talking just going to talk smack about this movie. Michael Bay as a producer and, and the and you know having Eastman and Laird in as consultants. Well, Eastman did, did, Laird Laird wasn't much involved, from what I understand. Well, okay, that's fair, but I, I wanted to make sure that both both creators were named. That's Mm-hmm. You know, I know I know what DC's done to a lot of the co-creators on comic books, so I want to make sure that you know the co-creators get their just due. But mm-hmm. to have them all, and that's why I'm saying, you know, I don't want people thinking that I'm coming into this movie hating it. I didn't necessarily hate it, but there were just a lot of problems with it that kind of outshined the good, and that's a that's a shame. It is because they had a good idea going. Now I think yeah. that. I personally think that John Jonathan Liebsman wasn't the right director for this. I think he's got an eye for action because he had done, like I say, Battle Los Angeles and Wrath of the Titans. So the the sequel uh, Titans movie. He's got an eye for action, but unfortunately he falls into the trap of his action can get a little too busy and then you're not sure where anyone is in relation to each other. I mean, honestly, he's done the Halo TV series, so he at least knows how to adapt things to a movie or a TV yeah. screen. But then, yeah, he's also done the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, and Rings, and Darkness Falls. and So, yeah, I don't think he was... If anything, I honestly think I would have preferred Michael Bay to direct this. I don't... Maybe, but... 
the the director I, they got for the second for for Out of the Shadows, they brought in Dave Green, and he just had a feel for like the the uh, the sort of energy of a of a cartoon, and I felt okay. like his his direction worked a little bit better with that. Now again, that movie very much established or very much hinges on you know the material already, so they don't have to set anything up for you. Um, right. And that's always hard with an origin because you, again, you're sort of you know do you do you do the origin story a la the first Spider-Man movie or Amazing Spider-Man or do you just jump into it like Homecoming and skip the origin part and just just plop down and say, look, this is for the fan base and they're going to enjoy that and people coming from the outside of it are going to be confused and that's that's fine. It's one of those things, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the title alone, which originally was just going to be Ninja Turtles um, yeah. and then fans got upset by that and so they they changed it. But the the property itself works best i think when you can kind of lean into the silliness of the premise yes. um cuz the original comics the mirage comics are black and white and they're very gritty uh but they yeah. were they were gritty but they're still satire right they were making fun of like uh frank miller run of daredevil and stuff like that at the yeah, time they were yeah. a satire of that the the foot clan and the hand and the shredder was this ridiculous over the top villain and all that kind of stuff. So while it's while it's darker than say the 87 cartoon, it's still satire and it's silly. And that was the thing we talked about with the 1990 movie that worked was they balanced that out well. Where they balanced out the satire and the and and the goofiness in with like this idea of these ninjas and it worked. There was a balance there and there was a feeling of things there. It just didn't quite hit it here, and I really think that it, it it comes down to they started in one direction and tried to pivot off of that, and it was too late to make that pivot well, and so Honestly, the domino effect kind of came off of that because the stuff that works in this I think works really well. It does, yeah. But Honestly, I, I think with something like like the Turtles, you could do more like Homecoming than you could Amazing Spider-Man or whatever the, the Tobey Maguire ones were. Just plot people down in the middle. Here's the Turtles. They know April. They fight the Shredder. The end. Because, I mean, come on. It's even... It, the basic origin is in the name. They're teenagers who are mutants who get trained as ninjas. And it, it's like they said in the movie. We're turtles. We're ninjas. We're mutants. And what we're more teenagers. do you need? Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I do. Uh, again, it, it just feels like like they didn't think through they did. the villains. And, and the villains yeah. end up... The villains should be compelling. And yeah. unfortunately, you got... And William Finkner, by the way, I love as an actor. And I think that he can do good stuff. And there was like there were moments in this where I'm like, okay... He's playing it, and there's there's a little bit of cheese involved in his lines. Like he had some really silly lines that right. I think in the right movie, in the right tone, work. But because he's relegated to this like underling of the Shredder, yeah, so, something doesn't feel right there. And again, the Shredder is if you're gonna play him as sort of the the uh, like stoic straight man in the straight man funny man type deal. Um, to the turtles, then that's fine. He's going to be a good foil there, but just give me a better design than the seven foot mecha ninja. Uh, I just, just uh, honestly, didn't like that. honestly, that's what I, I'm. 
Right. Honestly, that's why I'm not saying I have a problem with William Fickner or Feichner or, or what. But the character comes off as a ripoff Norman Norman Osborn. Yeah, and, and I'm talking about and I'm talking about that as someone who's just recently read Spider Man and uh, Dark Avengers comics because you know he and he comes off and, and and I mean this is the character. I'm not talking about the actor for the record. Sure. The character comes off as a cheap ripoff of William Defoe's Norman Osborn specifically because you could see the character saying, well, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. And just the way he would even say it, mm -hmm. you want to smack him upside. See, I think they should have gotten William Defoe to play Aaron Sachs. That would have been the hot ticket. That would have been interesting. But again, <laughs> if you're if you're going to neuter the character the way that they did, then that would have been a waste of Willem Dafoe in the role. Honestly, it would have been. But, I mean, I think if they would have gotten someone like Willem Dafoe... See, I think the problem with Michael Bay movies in general is he writes to the actors instead of writing to, or producing or whatever to the characters and then finding the actors. He finds the actors and then says, oh, well, I'll make this part for you. Or whoever wrote this decided, well, here's the actors I want. I'm going to write it specifically for that person. Yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, balance to find. Um, it I, is. It, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. In this case, they just, the, the turtles themselves... Splinter, I think April and Vern, they they did well on that side of the coin. It was the villain did, side, yeah. May, not not playing into the ninja angle of it either. I think hurts because Karai could be an interesting underling, and yeah, and but the problem is you had Karai and you had Eric Sachs, and they're both working under Splinter, but they never really come together. Like those two hardly share a scene, and so again, it just feels like things tacked on to the to the end of the production where they're like oh we need this well okay we can shoehorn that in here and it just didn't work for me um, and honestly i think karai deserved more screen time oh absolutely absolutely i kind of like, like said, your idea of let's let's get rid of the eric Sachs character in in total and yeah. have either i could see a karai as your antagonist in this with sort of mentions of a boss or a higher up or even by name towards the end shredder and then have sure. like a reveal at the end that he was behind everything uh, and well, set, you setting could, up you your sequel or, it. or if you go the mutagen route, you do Baxter Stockman and you let him. Well, here, okay. Here, here's the, another way you could do it. The mid movies, the villain is Baxter Stockman. He's working for Karai who is working for the Shredder. You get two villains for the price of one. You get a nice mid-movie scene. You know, oh, it was my mutagen that created you, now I'm going to use it to destroy you, blah, 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 blah. Oh, no, they defeated me. Woe is me. That sets up Karai as mm -hmm. the lieutenant coming in saying, well, I'm going to have to do, you know, I sent an underling to do my work. Now I'm going to have to do the, the, the dirty work or Shredder's going to kill me. Yeah. You go through the rest of the movie, Karai's defeated, you said it, like I said, you have, a, at this point, realistically, you should have had an end scene, or an end, like the end of the credits scene to set up the next movie somehow. And in this case, you could have done it where Shredder shows up, you hear his voice, you even just see his fist slam on a console and says something like, I'm going to dine on turtle soup, or something, you know, something silly. 
Yeah. But you get the point across that, oh, this is Shredder. Oh, crap. Things are going to pick up in the sequel. And then you get the sequel where, you know, you get Bebop, Rocksteady, the Shredders created them to fight the Turtles, figuring, you know, two mutants are better than none to fight four. They get defeated. Next movie, if you do a, a three a threequel or whatever they call it, then you get to mention X. Yeah, and that's where I think that uh, a property like this would work better to do in a uh, in a series because there's enough yeah. lore to pull from and there's enough directions you can go in that you can have some fun with it. And it should be at the end of the day, something is with a, a silly a title as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles should be fun. I think that was the other problem with this movie. Honestly, was it felt too much like Frank Miller's Batman. <laughs> Yeah, they they tried a little bit of that. Again, that's where I think Liebsman is not the right director for it. But that's where the, that's yeah. the direction they went in. And that's what we ended up getting. Because um, I mean, they even mock they even mock it at the beginning of the movie. Now I know they're mocking all the Batman's except Adam West realistically. Oh sure. When when Raph goes, "Give me the phone," and you hear Michelangelo, he's using oh look, he's using his Batman voice. Yeah. I do think if you get a chance, you should watch Out of the Shadows because I do I'm feel like to. you would enjoy it. It's got you get Casey Jones, you get Ooh. your Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, it it is there's a lot going on and it can feel it can feel overstuffed at times. But I do sure. think you're going to enjoy sort of the feel of that movie more than this one because it leaned yeah, honestly, into that. I, I I sat through this one and I'm like, well, it's a good action movie but it's not a very good turtles movie no i would put it personally in terms of turtles like theatrically released i'm gonna put it uh, ahead of teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 but i just didn't like Ugh. that one um but it's gonna be it's gonna be behind secret of the use it's gonna be behind tmnt from 2007 for me and honestly i like out of the shadows more than this movie too um, so you're saying Turtles Three is a season season of the witch for you, huh? <laughs> uh, except that season of the witch is good, whereas Turtles Three is not. Yeah. No, no, but uh, no. It's, as far as turtle movies specifically, and, and that's a running gag between mm -hmm. us folks. But for me personally, I would put Three above this one, just because I like the time travel aspect, and I mean it did have Usagi Yujimbo as a as a character. So that 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 alone made it awesome for me. I mean, I'm a furry, so I kind of I'm kind of biased. But sure. that 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 alone put it ahead of this one for me. But not just that. I, like I said, this was a good action film. I expected more more explosions from a Michael Bay produced movie. But it's a good action movie. But it doesn't do well as a turtle film. If if I had to honestly. I know you don't do, you know, X out of X or whatever on this show. But honestly, if I had to give this a star review, mm -hmm. I would probably give it a 3.5 out of 5. Because yeah, I mean, it's, not, it's not horrible. No. It's, I've... Not, it's not that great either. Okay, okay. Put it another way. If you if you had to, if you sat me down that Ace, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Michael Bay produced, would you buy it or would you rent it? I would definitely say it's a rental. Oh yeah, it's, it's one of those move. It's one of those movies you watch when there's a big thunderstorm or there's nothing else on. And I mean literally nothing else on TV. And I'm talking as a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, 
nothing else on TV. You watch this movie. Sure. I mean, it's it's definitely, I've seen far worse. Uh, I wasn't yeah. bored with it, um, which easily could have happened without uh, some better performances. Um, yeah. But and, and that's the thing. The, the actors themselves were fantastic. Megan Fox, William Arnett, the, the ones, to, even Johnny Knoxville with his, and see, that's the other thing. I don't think Johnny Knoxville was used all that great because Leo really didn't have that many lines. No. No, and that's again but, where, you know, you could go a lot of yeah. different directions with it, but but I mean Tony Shalhoub, it, that, and that's I think that's what makes it for me that and that gives it that three point five. I'd even just based on the acting alone, honestly, I think I'd push it up to maybe a four, maybe. I mean, I really hold. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. No, I was but, just gonna. I was... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, but what I was gonna say is what what like you said what what really brings it down to a three point five is the villains. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm giving like a solid three. It's not a waste of your time if you are into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it's a fun romp, but it's also not great. And it's just the, no. the villains are so weak. And they, they really and, are. And that hurts. Um, I There there was some um, stuff to, to capture, though, audio wise. And I'll I got a few go of those right I'd ahead. Like to play. Um, Absolutely. So, okay. Uh, April at the start is really trying to get this, um, this new story. And she's talking to this guy, uh, who works at the docks, which that actor, by the way, I've seen in things like fringe. And so when I see him, I, I think of him in that where I've seen him in a fringe and a couple of other things where he sort of plays like almost like a double agent. And so I kept, when I was first rewatching this, I'm like, is he? No, that's, this is only part. He just shows up here. He's actually just a dude working. But, um, then she has to leave there and go to her real paying gig. And it's this silly fluff piece where she's jumping on a trampoline to lose that winter weight. Uh, and I just love the, uh, the guy that they're interviewing uh, in his line. There are fat pigs. There are fat cows. There are no fat birds. Uh, I have seen pictures of fat birds, sir. Uh, there are yeah, definitely yeah. fat birds out there. So that, that just made me chuckle a little bit um, here again is leaning into the silliness that I think works. Like, when, when the turtles come back from their night out and they get caught by Splinter, he sends them to the Hashi. And yeah. when then we see what that is, and that's doing that, that's the four of them just doing the most ridiculous balance exercises you can imagine. <laughs> and Splinter comes in, and his way of trying to entice them to say something is to bring in that pizza. <laughs> and again, here's where that that's a thing that works, right? Splinter is being silly and he's bringing in this pe- this 99 cheese pizza to try and get Mikey to to break. And it was his I want this pizza. It was his flourish of of uh announcing it that I had to capture because it just made me Oh laugh. yes. I submit to you. The 99 cheese pizza. And that works so well because you've got like the awe of their voices uh-huh. at the pizza. And there was a great trivia piece where some guy made a 99 cheese pizza, uh-huh. um, which was great. I just like, that's the kind of thing. Lean into that stuff more because I think that I also, captures the feel of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for me. It does. And I have to give credit to Tony Shalhoub for doing that Italian accent as a Japanese rat. Yeah. Well, so he's not actually <laughs> Japanese. He's just he's, he, 
no, he, he, he likes Je- uh, Japanese culture. Ah, makes sense. Makes sense. But also, I have to give credit to Pizza Hut for making a Pizza Hut pizza look appetizing. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, and then after the reveal of the 99 cheese pizza, I like Donatello's uh, response. It's a trap. A pizza with that variety of cheese is a culinary impossibility. Like, that's such a Donatello line. Again, that, that stuff for me is fun. Like, make it fun and silly in that way. Yeah. Um, and just the voice. Just the voice in general. Just mm-hmm. how he said, how fast he says it, how high-pitched his voice gets. Oh, yeah. You can tell he's a teenager getting really excited but worried at the same, like, trying to figure out, what's my father actually? At? Oh, <laughs> that's what he's doing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, Mikey being Mikey. Um, and this was, uh, I just found this funny. I'm sorry. That came across super creepy. Okay. That's, <laughs> we will find you then. Like that's, that's a teenager <laughs> that is flummoxed and, and seeing like a pretty girl for the first time and he doesn't know what to say. Uh, so that, that worked for me. Um, I found that very, very funny. Uh, yeah, we, I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I hope you captured the other Mikey thing. That he said, and a really hot girl. Uh, yes, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Um, good, good. So, <laughs> let's see. Uh, we mentioned the aliens thing, which we didn't talk about a ton, but early on in development, there was uh, talk of making them be extra-dimensional aliens in origin, uh, which got scrapped. However, that sort of is because the mutagen kind of came. In fact, even Kevin Eastman was like, eh, "It's not the worst idea I've heard." Like, uh, yeah, you know. But uh, they did reference it in the script, and I did find that funny. So they're aliens? No, that's stupid. They're reptiles. <laughs> if you can't make fun of yourself, I mean, come on. Yeah, and that's that's a credit again. I, I, and I, I'm sorry I, I keep doing this between the clips, but that's a credit to Will Arnett and Megan Fox in that particular scene. Oh, their delivery is perfect. Trying to keep a straight face by Will Arnett while saying that. And then keeping a straight face by Megan Fox. No, that's stupid. Yeah. No, they, they definitely <laughs> pulled that off well. And and that same scene has, and fan service or not, I don't care, dropping a line like this from Will Arnett. Heroes in the half shell. Come on. You yeah, that, that was great. Your, that, was, that was well done. Like, did it feel forced? Sure. There's like no reason for him to say that. But at the same time, eh, I got a smile out of me. I liked it. That's, that's that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Of course, it's going to be forced. That that's the point. That right there, actually, that encapsulates it perfectly. That's mm-hmm. the point of the turtles. Yeah, to have fun, to parody yourself while you're parodying a silly, a serious comic. Yeah. Uh, this was another great exchange. Again, this is this is like a silly line, but it's it's delivered so well between the two of them. Uh, that it's great. It's this is um, Megan Fox and Whoopi Goldberg. They're ninjas. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Just, like of all the weird things that she had heard to that point in that scene, and it was the ninjas yeah. part that was like, okay, we have now gone too far. Like I was with you. And, the mutant turtles, yeah. I could get behind. Once you said ninja, we're done. Yeah, it's like okay, this is New York. The the mutants, teenagers. <laughs> I can get the turtle aspect. I can get behind. They're ninjas. Exactly. And, uh, and, and that's, that's credit to Whoopi. And like you said earlier, she had a small role. 
Mm-hmm. That was perfect to her comedic chops. And she didn't overtake the scene. No. Nope, she was good. Uh, here's the Michelangelo one you probably referenced. Yes. I can feel my shell tightening. I can yes. feel my shell tightening. That was uh, great. That was and so and Raph, right at, right, Raph, right after that turning around, we can hear you. Yeah. Um, here is an almost, they spoke the title in the movie. Here, Ninja, Mutant, Turtle. Teenagers. Well, when you put it like that, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I referenced earlier. Was it's the, the origin is right in the name. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, the only the only problem I had with that scene in particular, and I get that she was out of breath because she had just been captured by these turtles while the clan was doing all, was how breezy it came out. Because yeah. I don't know if she realized it or not, but her the way she was saying the lines kind of sound. And I don't know if this is Michael Bay's influence or the director telling her or what, but it came out as unintentionally sexified. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, who made that call. Uh, it could have been any and, one of them, but and I kind of been the way the I screen. went. Yeah, I, I kind of looked at the screen like, why do you sound like you're in the middle of an orgasm while saying this? Yeah, and some of it is like when you hear it, especially when you hear it out of context and you're not seeing the visuals, it sounds even yeah. worse. So it, to- it totally did right here, yeah. Um, I got a couple of Eric Sachs lines because uh, they made me laugh. Um, this one didn't make me laugh so much as I just liked the use of this word. That is made from the mutagen that is oozing through your blood. Got to work ooze in there somewhere. So You did. Yeah. Uh, here was a nice nod to, or potentially a nod to Yosagi Yojimbo. Uh, and also it's just a funny line because it, like he's so enamored with seeing these turtles. Uh, and we were going to use rabbits. Like that, that's yeah. the kind of stuff with Eric Sachs that I liked because he's just like, I'm not an easy guy to impress, but, uh, I mean, look at this yeah. and to think we were going to uh, use rabbits. And yeah, I I think that was supposed to be kind of a subtle Usagi Jimbo line. And yeah. the moment I heard it, that's what popped in my head. And I'm like, oh, they mentioned it. He's going to be in the sequel. That's what they're hinting at. <laughs> no. No, but I think some of that is probably, I don't know who has the rights to Usagi Jimbo at this point. Because I don't Ooh, think he's, I don't think he's the, like, he's a separate character. So it's hard to say. Yeah. Um. Here was one, and I, okay, I'm gonna just play this, and then I'll, I'll give my reasoning for why this felt kind of dumb. And I'm gonna be rich, like stupid rich. The line itself is funny, <laughs> and it's delivered well, but that's his motivation. That's Eric Sachs's motivation for all of this is just to make more money than he already. The guy already had a compound, like a mansion. Yeah, and. Uh, clearly runs several profitable businesses doesn't need to do this particular thing. So like the reasoning for Eric Sachs to then restart this, uh, this whole, we're going to poison everything and then sell the antidote. It's like, dude, you gave up on that 15 years ago because you thought all your research was gone and you've made boatloads of money since then. Who cares? Like, why are you yeah. going back to this other than, right. well, it's what shredder wants to do because shredder is evil. Yeah, you know how I called him a rip-off Norman Osborn? Mm-hmm. I take that back after this line. Because <laughs> even Norman Osborn would have looked at him like, 
What? Yeah, it just that that again, it's that poorly written villain uh, where something changed and I just I don't like where the, the direction that they went on that. However, no. he then did have this great moment later on when now originally there was going to be a fight scene with April and Vernon and then Karai and some foot squad. Um, uh-huh. It was going to be out on the street. They cut it for a few reasons. One of them being that the pacing was off and it kind of took away from the rooftop battle because it was going to take place at roughly that same time. But the other reason was that Megan Fox found out like two weeks into filming that she was pregnant. And oh, yeah, so yeah. they had to rearrange a few things. So it ends up being her and Vern going after Eric in the lab. But I uh-huh. loved I loved how they come around the corner and he immediately fires off a pistol at them. And then his his response to them being there is so good because he's just like, You're adorable, really. I could just pinch your cheeks. Like that, I want more of that version yeah, of Eric yeah. Sachs. Yeah, yeah. That right there was the villain done right. And then like, they had to go and ruin it the rest of the movie. Yeah, lean into the silly. It's the same thing with the 99 cheese pizza and, yes. you know, the I, I'm going to be rich, stupid rich. Like, that's the stuff to lean into with this property, in my opinion. Uh, Honestly, if they would have done more of this and less of the other stuff, this movie probably would have gotten a 4.5, <laughs> if not a 5. It certainly would have been more fun. Uh, which is again yeah. why I think you're gonna like Out of the Shadows because they lean into that stuff heavy, much much heavier than in this. Uh, and then one more one more song clip I got to play because this was the first Ninja Turtles live action film that did not have the line "I love being a turtle." Right, the the, the three live action ones and then the CGI film all used it. The CGI one in 2007, it's like the last line in the movie. But it's, Ooh, I haven't seen that one yet either. It's that God I Love Being a Turtle was in all of them, and it was it was great. This one doesn't have that. However, we, uh, do, get, we do get this from Raphael. Cowabunga. Yes, I loved that. I'm good with that. I liked it. Yeah. Honestly, so. that's, from the, that's from the cartoon too, because Raphael, oh, yeah. one time, one time out of the entire series, Pull the Mikey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's this isn't a bad movie, but I can understand. No. I can understand why a lot of people didn't like it. Um, I do think that it's it it is okay, uh, but you got to be a, a real Turtles fan to enjoy it. Like I know plenty of people that I would never recommend to watch this because I just know that they're never they're never going to get off the ground with the idea of the movie in the first right. place. And then this version of it isn't going to give them what they would need in order to enjoy this kind of movie. Like, again, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles should be like the tick where it should just be silly. There should be a lot of fun being had with it. Um, One of the things that makes like the Spider-Man movies work, uh, especially the ones with Tom Holland, is I feel like they balance that that um, kind of realism and that that grittiness with the silliness of a teenager or, you know, a kid that age as a superhero. And I think they balance yes. that out well. Um, That's why I've said Tom Holland's movies have always been the best Spider-Man movies because they're the most true to Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, what? why does Iron Man, the first Iron Man, work so well? Because Robert Downey Jr. and there's this balance of, like, the silliness, but then it gets yeah. it can get serious when it needs to. Why the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles works so well is that it had 
a good balance of the dark and gritty Mirage comic that was satire with the silliness of the 87 cartoon. Maybe well, lean a little then, more to the Mirage, but like it had that balance. Yeah, even then, the, the later cartoons... Now, I haven't watched them. I've seen bits and pieces of them. But the, the later cartoons, even if the animation was, wasn't that great, the acting, the silliness, the line delivery from the clips I've seen made them work. Yeah. Yeah, and it, when, when your title is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's like Tank Girl. Tank Girl, it doesn't need to be serious. It should no. be silly, right? Because yeah. the whole concept of that is silly. And so lean into that. Um, like definitely, if you are a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, you'll you'll probably be okay with this one, but I think you'll like Out of the Shadows better. I do think it's a more fun movie. There's a lot oh, that goes on in it, and it does get a little, like I said, overstuffed, and it, it sort of has that same thing that every movie had at the point, which is like the big opening in the sky and the light coming out of it type of deal and the climax. But right. Honestly, it's it's a fun movie because it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Now, for as much as we're talking about how about things that it did wrong, I would like to point out one more thing that it did kind of right. Sure. Leon, Leonardo is always, in the cartoons, the comics, everything else, he's always said to be wielding two katanas. When yeah. really, he's wielding two ninjatu, but in this movie, he actually had katanas. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's some practical reasons for that, just the way they were drawn um, back then sure. and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, it was nice to see that. I liked Donatello's um, ex, uh, extending staff. Yes. was uh, That felt like a very Donatello thing. Um, so, I mean, there were things that this movie did do right. Mm -hmm. But then you get to the villains, and you're just like... The quote, the quote, the line you ought to you always play or use is, well, yes, but actually, no. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. It, the turtles themselves, Splinter, I think April, were all well done. Then they sort of dropped the ball on yeah. the villains. And a lot of that is because you can tell, especially after you read and you realize that, oh, okay, they were going to go in a different direction and then they, they changed it after the fact, uh, and you can yeah. feel that. And so it gets a little disjointed. That was mistake number one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, 2014. I mean, I don't, again, I don't think it's a terrible movie. I had a good time with it. I don't, I'm not going to rush out to watch it again. Um, no. Or anything like that. No, Whereas I'm not the, going to either. <laughs> you know, the first, the 1990 movie I'll watch all the time. I rewatch it uh, every year or two. Um, yeah, I've, I've rewatched it a couple of times too. That's why I said, let me put it this way: I had Google Play credits. That's how I rented it. I only had to pay sixty cents. If I had to pay sixty cents every time, I would gladly watch it again. But sure. I'm not going to rush out. I, actually, I bought the DVD for a dollar at my library's book sale, but that was more to support my library than it was to buy the movie. But the 1991, on the other hand, and, and we've established that that's really the only Ninja Turtles thing I've seen besides the cartoon. But if I had to choose which one to watch forever, it would be the 1990 movie. Instant. Oh. Like, it wouldn't even be a decision. It'd be just give me that and I'm good. Yep. Absolutely. Same thing. That's like a perfect balance for me. So. Yes. Excellent. Well, Ace, do you have anything that you want to uh, let people know about? Actually, yes. I, I want to. I 
I'm going to shout out a couple of friends because they shouted out me on their podcast. Um, I don't know if you know him, but his name's Tony P. Henderson. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's a part of a group called, they, they do a podcast called In Addition Podcast. It's, I think it's every Wednesday now. They might have reverted back to the every Wednesday, or at the very least, it's every other Wednesday at twitch.tv, I N A D D P O D. They're a funny group. They do three shows, three or four shows that come out. Friday, Monday, Wednesday, and and everything, and they all rotate between who hosts what, and they're a real funny group. So just check them out. And at the same time, just real quick, it's Pride Month until mm-hmm. the thirtieth, and I mean, I know your listenership knows from the last episode I'm transgender, and this month is a special month for me personally, but also for the LGBTIAQ plus community in general. We don't celebrate Pride Month to celebrate the fact that we're out. We celebrate that we can live our lives without persecution. So mm-hmm. what I'm going to ask your listenership, and I, I don't know if any of them do. If they do that's or don't, that's their business. Find your local PFLAG. Donate to the Trevor Project. Find your local LGBT community groups to donate to. Whether it's your time, whether it's money, whether it's clothes. I think a couple of them even get cell phones for for people that are running away from home and an abusive relationship, just take a moment, realize that there are people out there that are different from you and need help badly, please. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you for, for mentioning that. And uh, thank you Ace for being on this week. Uh, It was fun. Absolutely. And, uh, and we got to close that loop now on the two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. And uh, well, yes, but as you pointed out, there's yet another movie I haven't seen. Oh, there's. I'm sure there's several. However, uh, out of the shadows, I've done on the show, so you'll have to watch that. No, on your own. the uh, what, the 2012, 2007. Uh, 2007. That's true. That's true. So there you go. So thank you for being here. This was uh, super fun. And if you want to hang out uh, and watch the show live, you can do that at Twitch.tv/tvstravis every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Unless the schedule changes, in which case I post that on Twitter at uh, tvstravis. Uh, next week, I'm talking with Lauren from the Beard Al podcast, and uh, we're switching gears. We're going to Pixar. We're going to talk about Inside Out, um, which I'm very much looking forward to uh, and also is a movie that has one of the most inspired bits of casting I've ever seen. If you want to know what that is, you're going to have to tune in next week and find out. So I'll be there. That will be next week with Lauren from the Beard Al podcast, and we've got some more fun stuff coming up later on in July, and then uh, Cage Palooza closing in we're we're getting closer and closer so that'll be fun well ace thank you again and uh and if you uh if you enjoy the show uh check it out at tvstravis.com anywhere you get podcasts and a rating and review uh, would be great you can also f- uh, help the show out if you want to support the show uh kofi ko-fi.com slash tvstravis you can buy me a cup of coffee there and uh also i'm gonna let you know now there's a patreon in the works so be ready be ready for that. Uh, I got some stuff coming. So until then, until next week with Lauren from Beard Owl, this is Travis, TV's Travis, saying thank you and be excellent to each other.
All right, I want you to visualize a sexy seagull. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>